Welcome to the Demand Gen Made Simple podcast. I'm your host, Janelle Amos. And if you're a Demand Gen marketer, you're in the right place. In this podcast, we talk about, you guessed it, how to build and deploy scalable Demand Gen frameworks in a simplified way. You'll learn from me and my experience from being a three-time in-house director of Demand Gen to now founder of Elevate Growth, a B2B SaaS Demand Gen consulting firm, where I've helped over 14 companies deploy a Demand Gen framework from scratch. You'll also hear from a list of guests and experts on the show as well. You can check out elevate-growth.com for more information about me. But for the reason why you're here today, let's dive in. What's up? Thanks so much for joining this week's podcast episode. There are two things that I have noticed a trend over the last couple of months while working on some client demand gen strategies that have seemed to take a little bit more of a popularity turn in companies trying to find a way to modernize demand gen or modernize marketing. So there's two things that I want to clarify for today's podcast episode and really discuss the importance of these two items as well as the impact that they could have for your demand gen strategy if you don't care about them or forget about them or don't have them well defined. The first thing that you should absolutely make sure that your marketing team and sales team have alignment on are your lead lifecycle tracking. So uh, again, the common like misconception here is that demand gen doesn't care about lead lifecycle or that we can't be tracking it by specific stages all the way down the funnel. The reality is that a funnel still exists regardless of the demand gen or you know lead gen or ABM, whatever go-to-market motion you have in place, you still have to track something from the very beginning all the way through if it's actually attributing revenue or not. That's a common misconception. So if you're wanting to run a demand gen program and you're like, how does this change any of my lead lifecycle stages? The likeliness is that it, it probably will change a few of them. Um, and the importance of it is to look at the acceleration between the different stages. So normally what happens in like a traditional marketing model um, has, you know, a subscriber or if we're taking like the HubSpot lead lifecycle stages, you have subscriber, you have lead, you have MQL, you have SAL, um, you have SQL, maybe SQO or opportunity, um, customer, evangelist, whatever. Like everybody kind of has their own individual definitions and spots between those, but that, you know, fundamentally is roughly the, the lead life cycle basics. Um, how that varies from, you know, a outdated marketing model to a modernized marketing model is that most leads get stuck at the lead phase or uh, an MQL phase. And the conversion rate between MQL to SQL or SQO, they they either get stuck or they're very, very low. Part of modernizing marketing and using a demand gen motion is to create that level of brand affinity and that brand trust to where somebody is coming in and they're just like excited to buy. And sure, you know, the 
the sales cycle could take still a couple of months. Like if we're talking about an enterprise buyer and having long buying committees and you have the uh, conversations between decision makers versus your internal champions and those who hold the checkbooks versus those who are the end users, there's a lot of different people that get involved in the buying process. But in terms of like the more top and middle funnel conversion stages, they should be moving pretty quickly. Like you should be able to be attracting individuals who are qualified, which should be the Q in an MQL, marketing qualified leads. And if you've listened to a couple of my other podcasts down the line, I've done whole episodes on this about most teams wanting to do a marketing quantity lead versus a marketing quality lead because they're incentivized on an MQL KPI instead of an opportunity or a revenue KPI. And so... When MQLs are focused on quality, then as you begin to attract the right level of quality and an audience that is actually, they believe that you're trustworthy and that they are bought into the service or the product that you're selling, from there, they're excited to have the next step of the conversations. They're excited to then talk to somebody who can help answer their questions or who can help give them a demo. They want to take that next step. So the acceleration between even lead MQL and SQL should be pretty good. Um, it should be pretty quick. Um, it sh really shouldn't take any more than like a few days, I would hope, between an MQL saying, hey, I want to talk to somebody and sales actually saying, yes, this is a qualified person. Um, and where you know we can take the next steps in having that conversation. That interim period is normally called SAL, which is Excel's uh, a sales accepted lead. And from there, that period should be no more than like 24 hours. Um, that's one of the things I want to call out for this podcast episode is to have an SLA. That's the second thing for lead lifecycle and having an SLA is you have to have some sort of trigger notifications. Um, some leadership person constantly checking in, looking at how those leads are going in between the different stages and if they get stuck anywhere. If an MQL has raised its hand, it's ready to talk to somebody, and maybe they even su um, submitted a form on the website, now they become in this little like SAL period where marketing is trying to do that handoff to sales saying, hey, you need to check in with this person because they're asking to talk to somebody. Sales then should look at that lead inside of Salesforce or whatever CRM they're using, do a quick analysis on whatever info is shared, maybe do some research if they're missing some. And then at that point, they should be able to say, yes, this is likely a qualified lead or no, maybe it's like Mickey Mouse. It's some junk or some bot that came through, which still happens. It still definitely happens on like a demand gen strategy. Those are in inevitable. So that period between somebody saying, hey, I want to talk to sales and somebody actually saying, yes, this is indeed not just like a bot or, you know, something that is spam or some sort, that period should take no more than literally 24 hours max. And if a lead is stuck inside of that stage for longer than 24 hours, like a notification must go off to as many people as it's needed to then say, listen, like follow up on these high intent leads is a must. It's a must. And we're going to drop the ball. We're going to lose the momentum if we don't do this quickly. So having, you know, a sales leader um, really come in and champion those conversations with the internal salesperson or SDR, BDR team um, and really help them 
either decipher why it took them so long, um, if there was an error in the system, but really get down to the underlying cause of why it took longer than just 24 hours to do this assessment, and then really taking the measures and um, and uh, matters into place to get that set up going forward so that we don't just lose some leads throughout the, the funnel. This is another way of what, if you've listened to a couple other podcast episodes of what I call leaks in the funnel too. Marketing could be driving some really, really great quality leads who are wanting to take the next step, maybe to see a demo or to talk about pricing. And they just go into like CRM space. Like they submit the form and the form spins up the little thank you for your inquiry. Like we'll be in touch soon. Cool. And like nobody ever reaches out. Like nobody even knows that the form was submitted. So a lot of different things in place here that need to be addressed if we want to have a successful like funnel movement and demand gen program. So those are the two things that I wanted to really talk about for today's conversation. Really make sure that you have your lead lifecycle stages identified. And as a demand gen marketer, you should be looking at how things are progressing through the different percentages of the different stages of those lifecycle stages. And then seeing if they're the right individuals that should be progressing through those different stages and pulse checking with your sales team about the conversations that they're having. What objections are they facing? If there's anything that marketing can, can be creating content-wise to give some more education, to alleviate some of the objections, to answer some of the underlying questions up front. That's the true marketing and sales partnership. It's the constant alignment after the handoff. And then the second thing, of course, is that SAL period, holding everybody accountable. Um, SLA, sorry, SAL and SLA, they're way too similar in acronyms. Don't you guys love marketing acronyms and marketing jargon? It's the whole purpose of this podcast, whole purpose. We're going to break everything down. We're going to simplify it, right? So simplifying demand and here we go. SAL, sales accepted lead, SLA, service level agreement. So an agreement between both marketing and sales that help them hold each other accountable with the handoff. Um, this you see mostly in like a traditional demand gen motion or maybe even like a traditional lead gen motion of the handoff between like marketing and sales. But one thing that I'll call out is like, yes, this handoff will still happen in demand gen. That's another misconception. It's like, nobody cares about MQLs anymore. I do, I sure as hell do. As long as they're high intent, uh, they're actually qualified and they're taking that next step that we want them to. Like, that's what I would identify as a marketing qualified lead. Remember, we're after quality, not quantity. And then from there, we need to make sure that how it's progressing down in the lower stages of the funnel from sales accepting it to maybe even having a demo request, getting that opportunity opened and how fast those opportunity stages are progressing as well. If there's any um, acceleration or slowdown behind those different stages and asking why and identifying if there's any way that marketing can help. And then all the way through if they're close wanting or if they're close lossing, because marketing could very well be sourcing great quality people that could look good on paper, get all the way to an opportunity and still close loss. So if that's happening, we need to address and we need to figure out why. So the handoff doesn't, doesn't just stop between marketing and sales, like wiping our hands clean. It's very much a full funnel movement. And that's why it's important to really have those lead lifecycle stages identified and moving throughout. Those are one of the things that I look at um, for myself as well, all the way through like what our goals are from a revenue perspective and how that's mapping in from a marketing goal. If there's X amount of um, ARR dollars that we need to achieve for this quarter or for the year, or if there's a specific number of customers or whatever that like underlying marketing goal is that's attributed to revenue, 
that is what we use. And then I work backwards for those leading indicators to how we're going to get there. And then I hold myself accountable throughout those different stages. So just wanted to flag that for today's podcast episode. Thanks so much for listening. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Demand Gen Made Simple podcast. If you found this episode valuable, please do not forget to subscribe. Thanks, and see you next time.